Have you ever wondered why it's difficult to give your attention, energy, and take action on what matters the most to you? Or to speak up with clarity from the best part of yourself? If that's you, then you're in the right place. The follow-through formula is dedicated to providing daily inspiration for you to follow through on the real you. Hello again. Welcome back to the Follow Through Formula podcast. This is Rick Lewis coming to you with episode 19. I've committed to do 21 days of podcasting in a row. I am almost at the finish line and I like this. I love the challenge of having to be completely present with myself each day and really ask myself, all right, what's what's really going on today? And to share that with you. And I love the commitment to do this on the day that I'm actually uploading the podcast because you're getting who I really am in the moment. Not something that I've pre-planned, not something that I've scripted, just me talking from, from what's really happening as I attempt to follow through in this commitment to speak about how we attend to what matters most in our lives. So I'm going to try a little bit of an experiment because what I've noticed in the process of recording these podcasts is that I sit down and I'm choosing my words quite carefully and trying to craft and control where this message I'm going to relate about today is going to go. And as soon as I do that and I let my mind sort of take over and try and direct the flow, it stops an outpouring of something that's really authentic and vulnerable and unrehearsed and unscripted and actually most valuable. So what I'm practicing today here on episode 19 is just talking and not letting my mind get involved and take over the conversation. How often have you lived your life from a perspective where you feel like I'm letting my mind take over my life and take over the conversation? And when you allow that to happen, you get this kind of stutter step effect where things aren't flowing and what's coming out, what you're saying to other people, the actions you're taking are not the real you. It's something that's tentative and hesitant and maybe full of doubt or lack of confidence. But there's a kind of practice of living that has to do with being authentic and in order to be authentic, we have to just keep reflecting back and observing ourselves and saying, who am I right now? What's really happening here? So what's happening for me is I know if I just don't keep expressing openly and honestly to you what's going on, I'm going to try. So I'm going to start trying to edit and choose my words very carefully. And that inner editor is killing me. It's like it's so disappointing to me when my inner editor takes charge and takes control. So instead of just getting like a raw draft of Rick Lewis publishing his communication and his expression to you, what you're getting is the editor trying to put himself first, which means 
it's all backwards because that's not how it works. A great piece of writing is the, the author sits down and just pours their heart out and then the editor comes way after. The editor can come in and clean things up. But when it comes to a direct human-to-human communication, editors are obsolete. That's not a place where the editor should be hanging out and trying to get their job done. So I'm kicking the editor out of this conversation. I'm pushing the editor aside. And I'm committed to just keep expressing myself directly to you. And what I want to talk about today is meditation. Meditation is a sacred act to me. And I have been delaying this conversation and putting it off. And I really want to talk about meditation. But meditation is a very difficult thing to talk about because it is a deeply experiential process. And if someone were to tell you or guide you a little bit in how you could practice meditation, the only way you're going to learn something about meditation at that point, after a little bit of instruction, is if you go do it. A lot of talk about meditation is just going to lead you sideways. And what we've got right now in our culture is a whole bunch of talk about meditation. And it surrounds how meditation should be like, you know, you should, you, meditation should be a thing where you sit down and you do some kind of magical process where suddenly you're calm and you're feeling good and you feel happy and you're feeling relaxed. And that's complete BS. Meditation, which I've been doing as a practice now for 25 years, no, more than 25 years. I started way more than 25 years. My first attempt at meditation was when I was 18 years old, and I don't know where I heard about it, but what happened for me was I was a type A teenage kid who was into all sorts of accomplishments and I, I was a theater artist. I was a, an actor and a performer, and I was an athlete, and I was just driven to excel in any way that I could. And I had tons of extracurricular activities that I did after school. And I remember this day very vividly because it turned out that one day I had just learned how to drive, actually, and one day. I had nothing coming up for my afternoon and my evening, which was fairly unusual for me. And so with nothing going on, I just thought, okay, well, that's kind of interesting. I I guess I don't have anything planned this today at the end of the day. But as it turned out, my parents and my brother did have things planned and they left the house for the evening. And I noticed how agitated I was about just having nothing to do. So I'm just on my own with myself and I was watching my mind get very anxious and agitated and I'm starting to try and plan, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with my evening? Am I going to watch TV? Am I going to practice my juggling? Because that was a big thing for me at that point, practicing learning circus skills. So my mind was kind of spinning and worrying and whirring and in that state, the thought that occurred to me is this isn't good. This isn't healthy. Something about this isn't right that I'm panicked about being on my own and not knowing what I'm going to do with myself. So the thought I had 
and and I'm not sure how I got this thought. I must. I'm, I'm sure I've I had heard about meditation at that point and what meditation was, but I had never done it. So I thought to myself, well, because this isn't good, and I I need to like look at this. I need to figure out what's going on here. I need to let myself experience this instead of running into some kind of activity. So I put my butt on the couch. I waited until everybody left. I had some dinner and I drew that way out. I I like, you know, took a long time to like make my meal and eat my food and clean up, knowing that once the cleanup was done, I was going to be faced with this gaping void of my evening alone. And so once I was done in the kitchen, I went and I sat down on the couch and I remember sitting there, just sitting on the couch and looking at the clock and thinking, I just need to just do nothing. Some Something about this is really important that I know I actually could be capable of just doing nothing. And so I sat there on the couch and I squirmed and I fidgeted and my mind was jumping all over the place and I felt uncomfortable, which for what seemed like an eternity. And I looked up the clock and I looked up at the clock again and seven minutes had passed. And I thought, this is crazy. Why am I so anxious? Why is it so difficult for me to sit in one place? And I sat there for a couple of hours enduring this inner torment until my family members started to come home. And this was such an ex- an important experience in my life because it showed me something about the state of my psyche and my mind and the lack of discipline, which is really interesting because at that point, discipline was everything for me. I was really into practicing all sorts of things that I wanted to be good at and I wanted to learn sports and circus skills and theater. And yet, what I realized is that I had no control over my mind. My mind was this wild animal that just was bouncing off the walls in every single direction. And I had no, I had no command over it. There was no mastery of my, the movement of my attention or my thoughts. And that was alarming to me. And it was alarming enough that I started, I I think I got a few books at that point, and I started to investigate what is meditation? What is it? And how does that work? And I started practicing sitting still and doing nothing. And what, and so the reason I tell you that story is because for so many people, this idea of that meditation is, is something that's supposed to make you come and peaceful and feel relaxed and be a happy, wonderful experience. That was not my experience at all. And I think that's true for many people who try to meditate. I've been meditating for 45 years now on a daily basis. And for a period of many years, um, I was meditating up to four hours a day, which some people might you know, hear and think that's ridiculous. What a waste of time. Some people can't even stand sitting still for a few minutes. They feel like it's such a waste of time. 
But what I discovered over the years is that <laughs> it's so funny that I'm talking so uh, so quickly and so animatedly about meditation. It's quite a contrast, isn't it? But I don't want my head to get involved here because I really want to communicate to you what what my passion is for this practice. That meditation is not and doesn't have to be the stereotypical experience where you're having this this great wonderful thing happen that's just it's so it's so unfortunate that that is in the ethos of our you know in western culture the way we relate to meditation because it stops a lot of people from actually having a relationship to this profoundly important practice which if we were to say it another way, meditation is not about having any particular experience, especially, you know, a, a really good experience. It's about simply being able, having the ability to be with yourself the way you are. That's it. Can you be right with yourself the way you are in this moment? accepting it and working with it. And if you look at all the various forms of suffering that we go through as people and all the problems and all of the concerns and everything that goes sideways in our lives, it has one root cause. And that root cause is that we keep trying to be something other than what we are in the given moment. And that we don't even see what's actually occurring for us. So if we don't, if we are not observing of the fact that we feel agitated in a given moment or fearful about something, the next thing we know, we're biting somebody else's head off and they're looking at us like, what is up? Like, where did that come from? And we're even feeling that internally ourselves. We're wondering, why did I just lash out at this person? Why did I have a big reaction to what they just said? And it's because we're not paying attention enough to see that what is there in our body-mind complex is agitation or fearfulness or rage or uh, trepidation or doubt or, or panic. So the process of meditation and learning how to meditate is how do we really get into the very moment that we're inhabiting and be deeply connected to this body so we actually are feeling what's really happening inside of this skin bag <laughs> that we inhabit. What are the sensations? What's going on in my gut right now? What's going on in my chest? Am I tensing my jaw? Is my face relaxed or open? Is my mind racing so much that I'm not even feeling my body at all? If that's going on, then our ability to actually follow through on who we essentially are is greatly and deeply hampered. So the job of meditation practice is to become the place the room in which all the different characters that have a life inside of our psyche 
and inside of our habits. There are all these different characters who do things different ways, who have different priorities, who might make a decision that gets usurped by another part of us at another time. If you've ever tried to to commit to a diet practice or an exercise practice, and you see that, oh, the person who made that decision to follow through in a commitment to practice isn't here right now. The person who's here is the person who's going to go ahead and have that piece of cake, even though the other part of me had made a commitment that I'm not going to do that anymore. I mean, that should be that should be a, a fun thing to observe. That should be like something that's full of good humor that we can look at ourselves and go, oh, my God, look at this. I just five minutes ago said that I wasn't going to gossip and badmouth about other people. And here I am five minutes later and I'm fully into some juicy bit of gossip I'm passing on to someone I'm in conversation with. I mean, this happens all the time. We are that fragmented as people because we don't have this thing called, we don't have an understanding of what meditation practice actually is, which is a space that we're willing to practice inhabiting where we watch all of these characters try and enact their own priority system and take over. And instead of letting them take over, we just watch the play of this and we just sit back and we allow these, we allow these different characters to kind of run amok inside of the room of our presence, but we don't have to do anything about it. Meditation is a place where nothing has to be done. Meditation is a posture and a disposition where all the crazy characters inside of you don't have to be indulged with action. You can simply let them run around and talk about everything they're scared about or panicked about or passionate about or think has to happen or must not happen because all these characters have a million different varying opinions about how life should be and what ha- what ordinarily happens when we're not paying attention is those characters take over our our mouths and our minds and our bodies and they make us do things and say things that are only in service to that one character and so it's it's baffling not only for us but for other people when we completely reverse the stance we've had about one thing or we completely go back uh on a commitment commitment we've made or we don't follow through on something we said we supported or we said we were going to do. That's confusing for everybody, but it should be more of a source of a sense of humor because it's just what's true of the human psyche and a human being who hasn't, who doesn't have a presence practice. And most people do not have a presence practice. A presence practice asserts a witness. It inserts a witness, one point of witness that can actually see all these different characters and begins to create the possibility of something called integrity. 
Integrity simply means that somewhere in there, there's one perspective, there's one point of witness that actually sees all the other parts. And if we're aware of all these other parts, then we can successfully manage them. Because we're seeing, oh, over here, I made this commitment. Over there, this was a priority to me. But now when this character rises up inside the room, that priority disappears and goes away. Suddenly I'm more concerned about making money than I am spending time with my family. But when I'm with my family and I really take a break, I say to myself, oh my gosh, nothing's more important than family. Like that. So this is what this is the theater that goes on inside of our minds, but it's all unconscious. And when it gets to run itself unconsciously without the management, without the presence of of an overall witness character of a, of a manager or the master, we could use the analogy of the master of the house. We have all these different. This is a common uh, meditative analogy where there's the ma- there's all these servants running around trying to run the house, but there's no master, and the servants are all in conflict. Meditation is simply the practice of being a, a space that's spacious enough and big enough to allow all these characters to be present and for them to all come into full view without having to do their bidding. And when we're not present, what happens is each of these characters become seductive enough and alluring enough and clever enough that they're able to make a case for what they see needs to happen or what needs to be said in the moment. And suddenly we find ourselves tearing into somebody in, uh, in anger and saying something that five minutes later we regret. We go like, why did I say that? I'm really sorry. I, I lost my temper. I lost my cool. What we're saying is I wasn't there. What was there is one of these characters inside of me, but actually I wasn't there. The part of me, the me who is the master of this house, the me who is the presence witness of all the parts inside of me, just wasn't here in that moment and when that part is present when that master is present then what happens is the characters enter the room and they can make a very loud case or a very pitying case you know it might we have parts of us that are victims they're going to come in the room and go oh i can't do it i can't i'm too scared i'm i'm too incompetent This will never work. When a character like that enters the room and convinces us to stop pursuing something that's deeply important to us, then we've lost the presence game. The presence game is when all these characters can come in, the victim or the the bossy, a bossy uh, dominant character or the bully or the uh the 
I don't know, what are other parts? What I mean, there are all sorts of parts inside of me. There's they're very aggressive parts. They're parts that are like, I'm gonna crush it, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna conquer, I'm gonna win no matter what. There are other parts that want to be very relational and are very concerned about other people. So concerned that I might get very adaptive around certain people and instead of speaking what's really there for me, I acquiesce to where they're coming from and I don't stand for something that's important to me. There's parts of me that are very fearful and there are parts of me that feel like a victim in a lot of circumstances, like uh, like the whole world is doing something to me and there's nothing I can do about it and that sucks. And then I feel sorry for myself. So we have all these parts that are constantly coming in and convincing the master of the house that they should be in charge right now and they should get to run outside and tell the world what should be happening next. But the problem with that is then we don't have this thing called integrity. There's no master plan so that what actually gets taken action upon and the words that actually come out of our mouth and the things that we actually put into motion Those things should only be occurring with the permission of the one who's paying attention to all the parts and can sit back and 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 understand that all these parts have value in the right place or time. So if I'm the master and I can call upon these parts when I need them, then each of those parts have a useful function in my life because sometimes I need that part of me who can just stand tall and go out and get shit done and conquer a task and reach a goal. Sometimes I need that part of me, which is much more quiet and much more relational. And while that part, if I'm not paying attention, might be very adaptive That's also the part that brought into the right moment can really be in relationship with other people and see them and hear them and receive them fully. I need all these parts, but if the parts are deciding when to come in and take over the show, then that's not going to go well because they're going to insert themselves at places and times and in ways that are not useful. I hope this is making some sense because I'm just trying to keep the flow of what I directly see because I'm sitting here, I'm in here in my blanket covered shower in the bathroom with my eyes closed and I'm checking in to what my actual life experience is and what I know is this as the is and what I know is that this subject of meditation is one I feel very, very strongly and very passionate about that everybody should have a meditation practice and everyone before trying to establish a meditation practice should have an idea of what that's going to look like of how alarming it might actually be when you sit down and try and be quiet and you start to see everything that's going on in your mind and in your body and in your emotions you might even not be able, you might not even be able to slow down your breathing it might be that you you find yourself with a shallow breath or a quick short breath a kind of panicked breath 
You could be very agitated and very nervous when you first start to meditate. And on the other hand, it might be wonderful for you. You might be someone who can just fall right into the joy of just doing nothing. But I have this phrase, which is um, doing nothing is a legitimate act of leadership. Doing nothing is a legitimate act of leadership. And what I mean by that is when you do nothing, then the, the leadership I'm talking about is you become this master of the house and you start to take charge of all these different parts that are running around trying to control your life in different directions at different times. And that's the very essence of leadership. It's inner leadership of our own wild crowd. But that's actually what go. If you can't do that inside of yourself, how could you do that with a group of actual human beings in an organization or an association or a family? How could you help all a bunch of actual human beings to coexist and work together if you don't understand the dynamic of warring parts internally inside your own self and the necessity of making room for all of those parts to be seen and heard but not necessarily indulged. That is the essence of leadership. The leader is constantly referring to the vision which is in front, uh, which is the overall vision, which is supposed to be the purpose of the human being. So in my case, the vision that I'm holding right now is I want to serve people to be able to actually live the real person that they are in their lives and be able to follow through successfully with what's most important to them. There's no way I can help people do that if I'm not aware of all the different parts of me that are going to diminish and and draw away from that effort. If I'm not aware of all those parts, then I can't succeed in supporting you to understand yourself deeply and clearly enough that you could experience this thing called follow through and integrity and the kind of joy that would bring into your life to be able to consistently follow through with a, a consistent thread of action and meaning in your life. That's difficult to do. That's a life's work to do. But it's the true deepest joy of being a human being is you develop enough self-mastery that you can actually have a vision and follow through with it. You can actually feel a very strong purpose in your life, something that you want to serve, and you're actually able to make it happen instead of constantly stopping and starting and two steps forward and three steps back and moving left and then moving right and then wondering if you're going in the right direction and coming back again and then feeling afraid that someone's not going to like what you're doing and maybe think about doing something else and starting something else and doing that for a few days and then realize oh I was really right in the first place I have to go back to the thing that's really important but then getting afraid again <laughs> as soon as you do that you, I mean I don't know maybe I'm just sitting here describing um, something that's going on inside of me that other people don't have an experience of maybe I should just be maybe I need some real help 
<laughs> maybe I I have been seeing a therapist, so um, so far the the results are good uh, on that, and the, per, the my therapist hasn't told me I'm completely crazy. But no, seriously, I'm trying to bring a sense of humor to a dynamic that I think is universally human. This is what goes on inside of us. This is what goes. This is what goes on in our psyches, and unless we bring some discipline to the practice of presence, we can't get beyond the kind of erratic stop and start um, experience of life that we all have, and that is suffering. That's the essence of suffering to me is not being able to get beyond that, not developing some some integrity and some discipline over that. So meditation is deeply important to me. And I think I've resisted having this conversation about it because I know, or I don't actually, I don't know this. That's funny. I was about to say, I know this is going to upset some people. So I actually don't know that because I've never really spoken this way about meditation with this kind of conviction is that I want, I want to teach people what meditation actually is and how they could use that practice to develop the kind of integrity and the ability to follow through on purpose that I'm talking about. The whole purpose of meditation is that you are so self-aware of who you are and what all your parts are that you become an effective force for positive service in the world. That's the whole purpose of meditation, that you become someone who can actually respond to life as it is in an, in an effective and creative and delightful way instead of being a reactor to everything that's going on in the world and around you and in your family and in your own mind and in your own body constantly getting thrown off and being um, alarmed by what's coming at you and then reacting very quickly with some habitual response that doesn't serve what is your deepest purpose in your life. That's the purpose of meditation. And in the process of learning to meditate, yes, there there can be an experience of this kind of sense of rootedness and feeling calm and centered and at peace with oneself. But that peace comes from the integrity that's created in your own action and your own manner of inhabiting your life. It doesn't come from some outside force that like descends on you like an angel and and showers relaxation pixie dust all over your body and you get to have this wonderful experience. That's just not what it is. That's not what it's for. That's not what it's about. Meditation is for you to be the best version of... Uh, meditation is for you to become the greatest point of service that you can be meditation is is to clear the way and to clear and to clean things up and clarify the field of your whole inner psyche 
in a way that it can line up with one important thing. It's a sacred act. It's a sacred space where we learn to start honoring who we are as we are without the need to run from that or turn away or deny the thoughts that appear in our mind, the feelings that appear in our body. We can have all sorts of things come up that we might feel ashamed about or alarmed about. Violent thoughts, aggressive thoughts, greedy thoughts. There are parts of us that are just deeply, deeply selfish and self-serving. Those parts aren't bad and wrong. They have to be seen for what they are. And it's not until we see them fully and can accept them that we can step in and hold the space when they're on the verge of acting in a way that's harmful. We have to establish presence in our life if we want to live in a fulfilled and meaningful fashion. Because if we don't have control over our attention and our presence, we're completely at the fact of warring inner parts and forces that will just keep leading us in different directions all day long and then we'll keep going to bed every day then our head hits the pillow and we're like what happened today why didn't I get anything done why don't I feel like I really served today there are lots of different ways lots of different techniques and ways to practice disciplining one's attention so you can be more present with yourself as you are. There are lots of techniques, endless endless forms of ways to position your body and your mind and what to do with your attention to develop this discipline. But basic mindfulness meditation, which has to do with just paying attention with, with paying attention to basically your thoughts, your breath, your body, your emotions. I've actually created and written a document called How to Begin a Mindfulness Meditation Practice that I haven't shared with anybody. I've had it for quite some time and I think what I'll do is make that available. It's just a very basic kind of middle of the road way of practicing that incorporates a lot of a lot of practice traditions that use meditation so that you can get some solid grounding in some basic practices for how to self-observe, for how to just be with yourself. So I think I'll make that available. I I might if I load this up today, huh, that's interesting that I'm saying if I load this up. So now I'm wondering if, I sh- if I'm even going to put this up as the podcast. That's how out on a limb I feel right now. 
That's how vulnerable and unsure I am about what I'm saying. So if you're listening to this, it's because I followed through with loading this up as the podcast. And in the show notes, you may see a document or a link to where you can go and get the guide to how to start a mindfulness meditation practice. I have my own form of practice that comes from something called Vipassana, and it's a form of meditation practice that um, is, its roots are in Buddhism, I believe, and I'm not, I'm not up on the, the history and the background of the actual technique I've been practicing for 45 years, but I was introduced to the practice by uh, a couple of meditation masters in Vipassana meditation. And Vipassana meditation involves being deeply rooted in the body, staying in constant contact with the physical body and using that as the anchor point to develop the kind of presence that I've been describing in this podcast. So if you want to look up Vipassana meditation and see what that's about, you can. There, There's uh, lots of Vipassana meditation centers throughout the world, actually, that teach Vipassana meditation. There's lots of different styles even of just that one type of meditation a lot of different teachers but the style that i trained with was founded by a man named s n goyenka that was his name g o e n k e i i believe s n goyenka he was the root teacher of the type of meditation that i learned and i can't imagine who I would be today if I didn't have this dedicated meditation practice that I use all the time and I've been doing for years. I added it up one day and I think I have a total of about 12,000 hours of time I've spent in meditation. And you may, like, there's this idea, the argument is, oh, I don't have time for meditation. But if you look back and you begin to observe and watch your thoughts and watch your moods and how much we work against ourselves when our thoughts and moves and moods and actions are not aligned, what we see is that we waste so much time and so much energy by not having this inner integrity. So the time spent in meditation has actually made me so much more effective in my personal and professional life. I'm one of the hardest working people I know and one of the most productive people I know. And yet I spend this time each and every day doing nothing. And that's not why I meditate, so I'm a more productive person. It just so happens that productivity and effectiveness is a side effect of understanding who you are and self-observing who you actually are. 
It's a side effect, as there are all sorts of side effects that arise from meditation practice. But those aren't, that's not the core benefit. That's not why you should meditate so that you feel more calm and peaceful and reduce your stress and don't die at an early age and have a better sex life and make more money at work and all the other millions of benefits that people are always documenting and touting as as this is the reason you should meditate. No, none of those are the reasons you should meditate because the person who wants all those benefits When you see those list of benefits and someone says meditation does this for you and this and that and it lowers your blood pressure and it makes you more relaxed and it helps you resolve conflict as a manager at work and on and on and on, all those benefits, when they're listed, it's one of those parts in you that grabs onto one of those benefits and says, I want that. Oh, I have to have that. I want to make more money. I want to be more peaceful and calm. I want to have a better sex life. I want to be more attractive to the opposite sex. Whatever it is, all those benefits get latched onto by one of those parts. And then the part is feverishly saying, let's go meditate. Let's go meditate because that's going to, that's going to benefit me. (laughs) It's ridiculous. That's not the, like all these benefits are not the reason to meditate. The reason to meditate is because you are already a whole, complete, amazing manifestation of the natural world. A human being is an incredible expression of reality as it is. And to live firmly rooted in that natural, organic expression of reality as it is, is the greatest joy imaginable. And in order for that to happen, you don't have to do anything. You just have to be able to be totally present and honest with yourself about what's there for you in any given moment. And when you can come from that place and speak from that place and live from that place, All sorts of wonderful things are going to happen as a result of that. All these benefits. But chasing benefits is the exact opposite of being being willing to be with yourself as you are. Well, if you have listened to the end of this particular, I don't know what to call it, this uh, rant, this downloading of my mind stream, the unveiling of what's really there for me and what I think about meditation and its importance. Wow, I need to like send you a prize. You deserve some kind of prize for staying to the very end of this. Episode 19 of the Follow Through Formula podcast. I had, and I I had no idea this is what you were going to get today, but there you go. This is what you get. And we'll see what that produces.
Thank you for listening. Thank you for being you. And I hope that what's in store for you in future in your life is that you get to meet the real you in a more and more profound way each and every day and then you get to live the real you and the rest of the world gets the benefit of the real you. That is my deepest wish for you and for what this project might help to produce. I'll be back tomorrow. Hey, thanks for being here and being a die-hard listener down to the last decibel. My vision for these conversations is that you get informed and inspired to take consistent action on the real you. If these podcasts help you to do that, I'm thrilled. And if you'd like to take that work to the next level, I invite you to join me inside the Life Leap community, where I'm creating a culture and a support network for those who want to pursue what matters most in their lives. To learn more, just go to gamesforconfidence.com and click on the Life Leap menu item. I'd love to see you on the inside, and otherwise, I'm sure we'll meet again in another episode.